0: Kingway, Fox, lock is acting very weird Captain Pike, Trisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh Ford Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk
1: Pete's a badlif, Edward is an idiot, Fock is dead, Wolf is
0: wet, Jackal's wearing red. Steed is cat, Kim
1: Peck's hat, Q is that, enough of that. Be me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We talk about, about the series. You can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series. We're coming to on the streaming services now. We talk about the series. Well, good
2: evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, December 8, 2022. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That means we are live, and that means you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433. Or you can go to trektalking.com and get all of your Star Trek information, including every single one of these podcasts. Trektalking.com. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. We have a great show planned for you guys today. We're going to be talking about um, Star Trek Prodigy Preludes, which is last week's episode. Remember, we're a week behind. So that means that there's no spoilers going on here. You should have already seen the episode. But wait, there's more. We also have with us, as usual, our Star Trek birthdays, our convention calendar, some Star Trek news, and some fan shout-outs. But before we get into that, I'd like to introduce to you my awesome trek Spurts. And by the way, if you go to trektalking.com and you scroll all the way to the bottom, you can see pictures of my trek Spurts. Um, and you can read little bios about how awesome they are. So please go to trektalking.com and check that out. You won't be disappointed. So we we'll off with, with my co-host who isn't, isn't from Portland. We'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles?
3: I'm doing good. Enjoying my Dutch brother's Coco. Got some snacks and ready to talk Trek.
2: We're going to have some fun. And then swinging around to the other side where we have my hat trick, my trifecta from Portland. We'll start off with David, the donut guy. How you doing tonight?
4: I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, oh, nothing much happening over here except for the rain, rain, rain. We've been having a lot of rain lately. Yeah, it's been raining
2: here too, but that's cool. We'll, we'll take it. It's better than that dirty s word that ends in o you know we don't want that and we also have from portland we have our very own toy slash wine guy paul how you doing tonight
5: paul Oh man, I am doing great, friends. Really great. Wrapped up a massive massive project today that is like the the Mount Everest of the end of my year. And so now it's like I'm I'm flying on the downhill side of the roller coaster and it's like the the stress level is just non-existent now. It's like so great. So in a delightful mood today. Uh harmonic convergence, good stuff going on and a, a lovely opportunity to talk about Star Trek. What could be better, Jim? Absolutely nothing,
2: nothing, nothing. And finally, last but definitely not least, but also hailing from Portland, our very own Eric. How are you doing tonight,
0: Eric? Oh, I am doing quite good. Yes, I have had uh, a busy day. I was back and forth to uh, Eugene, Oregon today, home of the Oregon Ducks. Go Ducks! Uh, But, you know, back in Portland, just in time for the podcast tonight, so looking forward to chatting about some Prodigy.
2: Yeah, and I want to let you guys know, as you can tell, my voice is back, and I'm feeling much, much better. We didn't do a show on Monday because I couldn't talk, but everything is fine now. And before we get too far, I want to let you know that we have a special show planned for Monday. We're going to have Stephanie and Rachel on from Long Island Trek. And we have a very special announcement to make live on Monday about one of the guests that they just added moments ago to their schedule, who's going to be providing us with a pre-recorded message to play to you guys on Monday. And and he himself will be appearing on this podcast in February to answer all your questions about Star Trek Picard. And that's all I can tell you. You'll have to tune in on Monday for any more information. So that's pretty exciting. All right, guys. So what's going on here? You can head over to trucktalking.com to get all your information. And while you're there, you can click on the little link, which will bring you to our Facebook page. And on the top of our Facebook page, there's a Live Long and Prosper. And there, just tell us where you're listening from. It's very simple, very painless. When you do that, you will see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, and that means your name is going to be immortalized for all of eternity as a fan shout-out, as a Star Trek fan, and a supporter of Trek Talk. And really, really easy. So head over there and do that now so that you can be mentioned in a future fan shout-out. As of right now, we have 104,708 likes, page. So head on over there and give us a like and see how just how high we can get that number. And we have 120,078 downloads. That's pretty awesome of this podcast. So thank you to each and every one of you guys. And speaking of thank you to each and every one of you guys, Eric, are you ready to get us started with this week's fan shout outs?
0: Uh, You better believe it, Jim. This is one of my favorite segments because we get to spin that globe and say thank you to folks from all over the place, uh, folks who are following our podcast, folks who are downloading our podcast, folks who just like our memes on our Facebook page sometimes. And our very first fan shout-out this week is going to go out to Lovrenk Butina over there in Slovenia, in Europe. That's right, in the Balkans. And uh, if you haven't looked at your map recently and you're kind of wondering – Uh, Where where was Slovenia again? It's that country that's you know just south of Australia, right there on the Adriatic Sea. Hungary's round the way. Croatia's right there. So um, thank you so much to Lobring for listening to us and for providing support for us uh, over there in the Balkans. Thank you so much. We're also saying hello this week to Paul D'Angelo just across the pond in Hereford, England, a little Union Jack and a little Live Long and Prosper back to you, Paul. Thank you so much for listening to us. We're also saying hello this week and sending out a big cuplaw to Rebecca Gonzalez Gutierrez way down in Madrid, Spain. Oh, man, I've been to Barcelona, but I have not been to Madrid, and it is one of those places I would love to go to, Rebecca. So live long and prosper to you as well. Thank you for listening to us over there in Spain. And my final fan shout-out this week goes out to Shannon Nunnun from Lebanon, Oregon. That's right. Uh, Not exactly local, but at least in the same state. Right, Shannon? Uh, Thank you so much for listening to us and for supporting Trek Talking stateside. Charles, who would you like to say hello to?
3: Well, let's start off with top fan Bruce Littlefield Littlefield, Sr. Hi from Chicota, Oklahoma. Stephen William Schneer. Canada. Glad to see Trekkie being used. Yes, we do enjoy calling you either Trekkie or Trekker, whichever you prefer. Personally, I am a Trekkie. James Edwards Simon Solomon from Lafayette, Louisiana. And my last one is Stefano Wazzo from Indiana. David, who's on your list?
4: Well, looks like I got Eric Olson from Spokane, Washington, USA. Next on the list is Scott A. Drake from Moline, Illinois.
0: That's Moline, and I, I, Scott, is that the same Scott Drake that I know? Scott, we should hook up, man. I, uh, I think I know your dad. <laughs> no
4: kidding. <laughs> wow. All right, and the next one is Gail Hewlett from Wisconsin. Last on my list is Sal Wish from Living in Ohio. Paul, who's on your list?
5: Well, first of all, um, Eric, do you still have that restraining order on you in Moline? Mm-hmm. No, no, no.
0: Moline's the one where I'm okay. It's the other You're
5: okay one. there, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I yeah. just want to make sure, right? Because, you yeah. know, yeah, I just – Looking no man, you, I, right? I try.
0: To, you know, I try to walk the straight and narrow these days, Paul. You know,
5: dude, your, your boat makes one heck of a wake. That's all I know, <laughs> man. Let's just <laughs> let's just, let's just say that. All right.
1: Oh, man. I got
5: all kinds of fans. I'd like to say hello to. First of all, this fan is flashing a massively cool "Live Long and prosperous sign in Berlin, Germany. It's Frank Paulstian. Frank, how you doing? Live long and prosper. Peace and long life to you, my friend. Thank you for shouting out to us. It's great to hear from you. And serious top fan here. Well, top fan on the bottom of the planet, that is. uh, It's Bev Hunter in New Zealand. Hello, Bev Hunter. It is wonderful to hear from you. And thanks for being a fan of the show and, uh, more importantly, a fan of all things Star Trek related. Can sense your enthusiasm coming through the equator all the way up here in the Pacific Northwest. Next up for me with a fantastic heart of affection, it is Jorgen A. E. Bjorkman in Gothenburg, Sweden. Oh, Jorgen, how I long to go to your part of the world. Oh, Feels man. the Nordic environments are calling to me like crazy. Seriously need to get over there. Uh, Sweden. Norway, Denmark, you name it. It's calling, big time. Um, This time of year, especially as the holiday season starts happening, I have seen some amazing pictures of the celebrations that go on in uh, Sweden, and I'm sure in Gothenburg. So uh, thank you for uh, reaching out to us. It is wonderful uh, to hear from you. Now, just a couple of minutes, Eric was talking about uh, Slovenia, we're really not too far away here with this next fan because we are talking Serbia. Serbia is kind of just south of Hungary and uh, underneath the uh, affectionate uh, elbow of Romania, if memory serves here. But uh, we are lucky enough to have a fantastic fan uh, living there. So I'd love to give a great big kapla and live long and prosper to Velja Trivik. Uh, Velja Trivic, who is a resident of the fantastic area of Serbia, Another absolutely spectacular part of the globe that we are fortunate enough to have fans in. Because as we learn every week, there are Star Trek fans everywhere. So great to hear from you, Velja. And now I'll pass that microphone over to Uncle Jim.
2: All right, guys. Yes, there are Star Trek fans everywhere, including Scotland. We'd like to say kabla and thank you to Darren Kelly. We'd also like to say... Thank you to Robert Silver, who's listening to us in New York. That's pretty broad, but uh, yeah, New York. So thank you so much to Rob Silver in New York. We also want to say kabla to Danny Fikehart, who's listening to us in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And last but not least, we want to say kabla to top fan Carol Bradley, who's listening to us in Nebraska. So coming up next, we have our Star Trek birthdays. Um, but first, we have a caller.
1: Woo-hoo.
2: Yes? No? Maybe. No, we don't. We did, no. but now we don't.
0: <laughs> Come back, caller. We want to talk the to you. To...
2: Give us a call back, and we, we will get to you. We had a caller, but now we don't. 668 uh, is our number, and we would love to hear from you. All right, guys, so this is our Star Trek birthday segment.
6: That
7: was not a Klingon song.
2: All right, we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric.
0: Jim, this week we have uh, six members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us that we're going to be remembering. First is actor Bill Irwin, who of course portrayed Dr. Dalen Quace in the TNG episode, remember me Um, bill lived to the ripe old age of 96 years old unfortunately we lost him back in 2010 and he was a a veteran of lots of film and television all the way from the 50s all the way through to the 80s and 90s even Um, and he worked alongside some other folks uh, such as christopher Plummer and christopher lloyd in uh, other projects too which is kind of cool so he had some other tangential star trek connections so happy birthday to Bill Irwin, who would have had a birthday December 2nd. Uh, Happy birthday this week also to Karen Landry. Uh, Karen Landry played the Vorgan alien Azure in the TNG episode, Captain's Holiday. You might remember uh, Azure Uh, Her species is the kind of like purple and pink conehead alien with the little uh, golden things on the sides. You know which ones I mean. Uh, (laughs) And uh, Karen uh, was around uh, with us until about uh, 2015. Um, She was probably best known outside of Star Trek for her recurring role as Myra White during the first three seasons of the television show St. Elsewhere was a fantastic television show lots and lots of guest appearances back in that day as well and then worked her way all the way into the 90s on things like cold case and criminal minds and things like that so happy birthday uh, and remembrances going out to actress karen landry also happy birthday and remembrances going out to marcy vosberg who uh, is not really known as an actress per se, but uh, her acting, uh, her few acting credits did cross over with Star Trek. In that, she played the a computer voice uh, in Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Um, she's probably better known for her uh, screenwriting credits and her producing credits and that sort of stuff. Um, for example, she served as story editor, writer. And later as a producer on the first three seasons of a little show you might have heard of, Married with Children. Uh, also worked on a bunch of other stuff like The Jeffersons, Cagney and Lacey, uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, Mary Vosberg uh, lost back in 2016, aged 63 years old. Happy birthday and remembrances going out to her. Also happy birthday this week to actor Ted Knight, who voiced the part of Carter Winston in the uh, animated series episode The Survivor. Now you'll remember Legend. Carter, Carter Winston is not actually a character, right? He's actually a Vendorian spy, but shh. Don't tell We're him that waiting.
6: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, interesting little fact here. So Ted Knight, uh, I- I'm gonna really try my best here. He was born Tadeus. There is a very, like, there's a lot of consonants and that kind of stuff. You can look up his name if I massacred it, but uh, I can imagine that he chose Ted Knight because it was just a little bit easier to pronounce. Um, you know, he received no screen credit for that portrayal of Carter Winston at the time, um, but he since, of course, is known for that part. Um He is probably best known as the buffoonish newscaster Ted Baxter on the 1970 through (laughs) 1977 CBS series. Mary Tyler Moore, that's right. Good job, Mary. Excellent job, (laughs) Mary. Perfect, right? I love that guy. Um, Also on Too Close for Comfort, once we got to the 80s, so Ted Knight would have had a birthday this week uh, on December 7th. Uh, Happy birthday to Ted. Happy Birthday and Remembrances also going out to uh, Valor Baum, uh which is actually the real name for an actress uh, who often went by Valora Noland. That's probably how you, you best know her. Um, she would have had a birthday this week as well. Uh, we lost her at 80 years old. In addition to Star Trek, uh, she was on such television shows as The Rifleman, uh, Wagon Train, The Man from UNCLE, Virginian, all those good shows was in a couple of beach movies uh, made by William Asher back in the day. She's got that kind of, you know, look <laughs> from the 60s. Um, but then she, uh, you know, didn't do too much acting right after her work in Star Trek. She actually left the acting business in 1968. Um, and she just kind of went into photography and, uh, and writing books and stuff under the name Valora Tree. So if you'd like to see what she did after Star Trek, just look up the author. Valora tree. Happy birthday to Valora Noland, also known as Valerbaum. And our final remembrance this week goes out to actor Ray Walston, yes. famous, super, super famous. Uh, although doesn't appear as often as you think he does, but of of course Ray Walston is known in the Star Trek world as the groundskeeper Booth B uh, at Starfleet Academy. Uh, he originally appeared in only three episodes of Star Trek TNG's the first duty uh, which is where he was actually himself and then he was in a couple of episodes of Voyager one as a holographic recreation of himself in the fight and one as a uh, species a four seven two in disguise uh, in the episode in the flesh Um, Boothby later showed up also in Lower Decks um, which I thought was kind of interesting because that was post us losing Ray Walston and this guy Paul, I know I know where you know this guy from. I mean he is super duper famous, uh, for his sixties portrayal of Uncle Martin, right? In Uncle Martin, cartoon. Tim, you need to get out of there, Tim. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But man, his talent doesn't, it like only begins there. Uh, he is a Tony Award winning uh, Broadway actor, Juana uh, Tony for Damn Yankees. He is a two time Emmy Award winning uh, actor for his role as Judge Harry Boo, uh, Bone on Picket Fences. Um, myriad, myriad, myriad supporting roles in television and films started acting way back in 1938 and acted way up until the 90s so literally a career of um, you know 60 plus years in 1990 he was actually given a life career award from the Academy of science fiction fantasy and horror films and there's just a little story here that I thought was pretty interesting that I would tell about Ray Walston um, since we're kind of tying up our um, our remembrances here so apparently during his appearance on the Star Trek Voyager episode in the flesh Walston was having trouble remembering his lines during a long one-shot dialogue scene. However, when the cameraman was changing the film during shooting of the scene in the briefing room, Walston recited a line from Hamlet, which he uh, had actually acted in like way, way back, like a, like 50 years earlier. Robert Beltran, Chakotay, uh, then stated the next line and waltzed in the next, and the two went back and forth for a full five minutes reciting Hamlet back and forth to one another. Amazing oh, entire cast and crew. In fact, Tim Russ remembered it in an interview for the special features of the Voyager season 5 DVD that it was so quiet besides them that you could hear a pin drop and that when they were done, everybody just erupted in applause. So, I just thought that was such a cool story about Ray Paul. That's Rick amazing,
5: dude. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, um, lost way. What a in guy, right? Plus he was like, but, you know, he
5: was Mr. Hand on Fast yeah. Times, right?
0: He was. He, he had Fast Times at Richmond High. That's right. Uh, 1982. Yeah. Uh, so just really something. Um, Star Trek legend. Right, guys? Um, oh, no question, yeah. man.
5: I love that character. I love Boothby.
0: All right. Well, happy birthday yep. and remembrances and lots and lots <coughs> of love going out to actor Ray Walston. And that, you all, is it for our remembrances this week. So I'm going to pass that birthday candle over to Charles. All
3: right, thank you, Eric. Let's start off with Denise Christopher, who played, newbie, Dennis Christopher, who played Vorda Boris Vorda, in ds Nine's The Search Part 2. He later played Dan- um, Danik, the Sullivan in Enterprises Detained. I thought it interesting looking at it, his first acting role was a 12-year-old in Time Tunnel back in 1967. Andre De Kim, played Chief Kyle in Star Trek Strange New Worlds, he is also known for two different series in the DeGrosse series. Stephen Bradford Colt played Major he- Major Hayes in five Enterprise episodes in the third season. <coughs> also well known for his role in JAG. Leon Ransom <coughs> <coughs> played, played Commander-in-Chief Bill in Star Trek IV, the Undersco- Star Trek 6, The Undiscovered Country, and Vice Admiral Todman in DS9 episode The Die Is Cast. Leon was known in early years and many, many different soap operas. Gina Hecht played Manua Abgar in TNG's A Matter of Perspective. She was actually a regular on the very popular and late 70s, early 80s spinoff from Happy Days, a series called Mork and Mindy.
0: I forgot that was a spinoff from Happy Days, Charles. (laughs) <laughs> I swear
3: that's several several shows came off of Happy Days, and that was one of them. Wow! It's because new, of it, it's because, of, because of Mark's visit to Richie in that series. They loved him so much that they made a series. Mark Rolston played Walter Pierce in TNG's Eye of the Beholder. He later appeared as Krunda in Enterprises. Canemar and Maj in the fourth season ep- episode Augments. He's got a high uh, roles from the 80s to now and a lot of voice roles in cartoons and, uh, and uh, video games. But one of my thought was interesting is he appeared in Fallout 4. And, brother,
5: he was also iconic. alien Aliens.
3: I, and, yeah. Aliens.
5: He's Drake.
3: <laughs>
0: All right. He's Drake, and Drake, and aliens. Drake yeah. man,
5: with the smart with Drake deck. and
0: Aliens. Oh, uh, right. he's the
5: best in that.
0: But Shawshank, <laughs> he was in that movie, too. He was Bog Simon in that movie. Yeah,
5: yeah, he was in The Departed. He was in Shawshank. Yeah. He's, he's awesome.
3: And then final on my page is Rachel Jill, Played Commander Nott in 14 episodes of the second and third season of Discovery. Definitely would have loved to have gotten a backstory on her. Paul, what's on your list?
5: All right, man. I've got all kinds of good folks here. First of all, um, really great next-gen episode, Lower Decks, right? Way before we have the uh, same-named uh, animated series. Uh, I think that's really the inspiration for a ton of great stuff. But Lower Decks is an awesome awesome episode, and actor Dan Gauthier played Ensign Sam Lavelle in that uh, episode. Uh, Dan Gauthier, I feel like we might be uh, here on the show potentially related to you, brother, because you are a native of Prineville, Oregon, USA. So, uh, fellow Oregonian, Dan Gauthier, uh, hope we see you in the Star Trek universe again, my friend, and happy birthday to you, sir. Happy birthday also to Michael Monkey... Boys-a-vert. I don't know how you get that nickname, Michael, but
1: I would love to know. <laughs> <laughs> that I feel like, like would I you actually... to look that
5: up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. When you put that in your acting credits, man, and when, when you're on the IMDb, is, uh Monkey Boisevert. I'm like, uh, I, there, there's a person with some stories to tell. Story, but yeah. uh, Michael Boisevert played uh, Captain Tushenkovil in the Discovery episode, See Vispossum Parabellum. And uh, we're pretty big fans mm. of Discovery on this program, Michael. So we'll be checking you out again and hope to see you in the future. Happy birthday. Also extended to Nicholas Koster, the actor portrayed vice Admiral Haftel in a wonderful next gen episode, the offspring um, Nicholas Coster, Wow. I mean, he's just one of those great journeyman character actors. He looks like he would probably play uh, the uh, the postman in a small town, or the hardware store guy, you know, the kindly uncle uh, Nicholas Coster, but is Vice Admiral Halfdell, he's a little darker character because I don't know if he's going to make Eric's list of evil admirals or not. I think he gets a little redemptive towards the end there, but he's basically yeah. the one who's like, "Hey, Data, your child is a piece of equipment. I'd like to take apart and study." We're taking, shipping her off to Starfleet, okay? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, un, it's unnerving. Yeah. Unnerving stuff, but uh, ends up having, I think, as I remember, uh, a little bit of an awakening of, of the humanity,
0: of, Thank of what
5: sentience means. An
0: Admiral fortune. Redemption story in a, in a tight box. I love it.
5: Yeah, exactly. But these Vice Admirals, they still have a potential for going through all kinds of stuff, I guess. But uh, terrific actor. You've probably seen him in a million things. You just don't realize But he's just one of those actors who's just in everything. Super great career you've got there, sir. So, Nicholas Coaster, happy birthday from all of us here at the, at the Star Trek show. Alex Cap is next. Alex Cap provides the USS Enterprise computer voice in Star Trek Strange New Worlds that we're all just like, when do we get more? When do we get more Strange New Worlds? And when we'll be hearing, again, this is a, a lot of work going on there, Alex Cap. We're excited to hear you, Trek talking. So, uh, big fans of uh, the current franchises. But, well, Strange New Worlds, we're ready to circle that calendar date when we know that y'all are coming back. Huge birthday greetings also uh, to another Discovery actor, uh, Samora Smallwood played uh, Lieutenant Amin in Discovery episode Such Sweet Sorrow, part one and two, and Star Trek Short Treks episode Q&A. The Short Treks episodes are great if you all haven't uh, checked them out. They are really worth your time. And Lieutenant Amin is a great addition to the small Star Trek universe. So Samora Smallwood, happy birthday. Happy birthday also to uh, voice actor Eric Adrian Bautza a stand-up comedian and animation artist who's voiced several Star Trek characters through the years on both uh, Star Trek Lower Decks and Star Trek Prodigy. I think voice actors are
1: the best.
5: They're able to do a million cool things. So I hope you're having a great birthday, Eric, and I hope we get to hear you and maybe even see you again soon. And lastly for me in this segment, a happy birthday indeed to Terry Hatcher, who played Lieutenant B.J. Uh, Robinson in uh, the Next Gen episode, The Outrageous Okana. We're hearing about that quite a bit these days because that character is coming back all over uh, the place. But uh, Terry Hatcher is a, you know, I, I think you've got to pretty much say a living legend in terms of the amount of work that she's done. She's been a, on Lois and Clark, Uh, The New Adventures of Superman, um, Desperate Housewives. uh, I think she did like something like almost 200 episodes on Desperate Housewives. Um, And uh, you get to be part of the firmament of of motion pictures forever when you are in a Bond movie. And Terry Hatcher was in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, terrific. I am a big fan of the Pierce Brosnan era of Bond pictures, and uh, she was in that one as well uh, alongside an actor who you may know from Discovery, Michelle Yeoh, (laughs) who's in there. So another little bit of a Star Trek crossover. I can't remember if the two of them had scenes together or not. I guess it's a good excuse to go back and watch a James Bond movie again, which is always a cool thing. To do so, to all of you, from Dan Gauthier to Terry Hatcher, I hope you're having a fantastic happy birthday as you cruise through the first week of December. And let's uh, shoot that uh, photon uh, birthday candle over to Uncle Jim. Well, I don't have as many birthdays as these
2: guys did, but I have some good ones. The first one, we want to say happy birthday to Eduardo Roman, who played Vulcan number one the Star Trek Picard episode of Mercy. And why is he so special, the Trek Talking guys? I wonder. He's been on our show. The,
1: he's
2: mm-hmm. been here. He's talked to us, which means you guys can go to talking.com and you can go back, and you can listen to our interview when he talked with us, which was really good. He was a really great guy to talk to, and a lot of stories, and he was really fun. So go and check he's that out. He's a great out,
5: guest, man. Really talking. great guest. I agree. He was
2: yeah. fun. He was really fun. So, Happy birthday. We also want to say happy birthday to Joseph Gatt, who portrayed Science Officer 0718 in Star Trek Into Darkness. That was the the uh, bald guy with the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, with uh, the distributor cap on his forehead, I guess. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> how
5: else would you describe it?
1: Wow. <laughs> Didn't it look like that is
5: that is a that's a that's a sound clip we need to pull back and use many times. Yeah, so happy birthday
2: to Joseph Gap. And this next one is awesome uh, because if you've ever listened to Truck Talking, you know that I'm like really, really, really a stickler for music. To me, music can make or break a scene or a movie. The wrong music can kill it. The right music can make it. For example, think of Jaws without that classic Jaws. I mean, you can walk onto a beach, put a boombox down and play that song and people will run out of there. I mean, music is so so important to any visual medium. So this next person happens to be the first female to uh score Star Trek I am also working on getting her on this podcast to share her stories with you guys, which is awesome. I would like to say happy birthday to Nami Meloman, who composed Star Trek Prodigy and Star Trek Strange New World. Um, and the Short Treks episode Q&A, which we've already talked about. If you haven't seen the Short Treks episodes, check them out. So happy birthday to Nami. And I always do the Klingon blast. And I've got a couple of good ones here. Uh, first of all, we want to say kabla to Brian Eric Bonzel, who played Alexander Rozhenko in seven episodes of PNG. He took over uh, when they wanted to have an older version of Alexander, a more grown-up version than the um, younger version that we first see. So a uh, happy birthday to Brian Eric Bonzo. And last, but definitely, definitely not least, and this one surprised me because I seem to think in my mind that he was in a lot of episodes because he's such an iconic character, but in reality, he's not. He only appears in four episodes of TNG and DS9 as Kern, Worf's brother, and I'm talking about Tony Todd, ka four episodes. That blows my mind because I seem to think he feels like a much bigger character than
5: only four
2: episodes,
5: but yes, he yeah like he takes up episodes. a lot of space on screen, man. He's so charismatic, Tony Todd. It's just you just don't forget that guy.
2: Yeah, four episodes. I was blown away when I found that out, but a lot of people, a lot of horror fans might know him as the candyman. Don't say his name in a mirror three times or something bad might happen. So happy birthday and kabla to Tony Todd. Worf's brother on Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine and Star Trek TNG. Well, guys, we have our caller back. Yes, we do. Yep. Our caller called Ooh. back, and I'm going to try to connect here. Hello, thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight?
7: Kapla. Kapla. What's up,
2: Ray? What, what's happening, Ray? Hey,
5: Ray?
7: hey, Ray, what's going on, folks? I like y'all. like say um, happy um, belated Thanksgiving to you and you guys and your family. I've been busy, man. You know, what I'm saying you know, what I'm saying that's what happened. I've been busy. That's what. Yeah, that's I mean, okay. that's why I have not been here for a minute. But I got a couple of questions to ask. I mean, I mean, I mean, do you have a few minutes? Sure. Okay. Okay. One question. Okay. Okay. The first one is that I. I mean, God rest. Chrissy Alley because I didn't know she passed away a couple of days ago. but I found it on Facebook and I was like, I don't know what happened to her. I mean, last I mean, time last time I saw her, she was with um locals talking, and after that, she just uh, you know disappeared. And I haven't heard her from her until on Facebook, and she passed on. Yeah, I think so, it was. I
2: mean, I mean, I mean
7: was it Tuesday, Eric? I think it was
1: Tuesday.
0: Uh, yeah, it was just. This past Tuesday, and uh, nobody really knew that she was sick with cancer. We're gonna have a little story about it a little bit later on in the podcast, but yeah, it was a, it was I think it was a bit of a surprise to people
7: for sure. It was, it was because I said, I, I, said, I love Quitsie Alley, and, and I mean especially the, I used to watch uh, with, uh, Cheers back in the days. Uh, we, we 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 used to on Cheers, you know you know so back in the days I love I love I love the actress. Okay, number two, you talk about came about Tony Ty, right? I mean remember though. Do you ever saw um, Platoon? Remember, remember, he's he, 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 he in Platoon also too. One of the soldiers in Platoon? Was so mm. he one of the... Okay. Yeah. Yep. And, and yeah, just, yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, he was just yeah. Yes, he was just on the platoon. I mean, I mean that's when we smoke I mean all the opium, he, 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 all the opium, and he talk, and they tell he got my man for we, we can talk about yo man, you need to off that stuff and, yo, you lose your mind and stuff. And you yeah. that, do that part, he 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 going like really crazy. And that part I was like yo, um, let's see, Warren was you know, that
0: character's name. Oh uh,
7: man, you know what? I, I saw it the other day, too, and I forgot his cat in there. I'll be honest. I saw, I saw the other day for some reason. I know already, I was watching cable, and I came on, I came on to it. Like, I didn't really stay that long. You know, I stayed like a few minutes, and I, I switched I the I I channel from that point. But, um, and another question is, um, you're talking about Ted Knight, right? But remember, Ted Knight was a narrator of all the, the, the Super Friends cartoons, too, back in the days. remember that?
0: Oh. Yep. Oh, wow. yep. That's so cool. Yeah, because that's a voice that they're everybody
7: nav- knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right, Yeah, but, you know, like, you just said that, I can read that. I remember he was a narrator in all the Super Friends, um, anime series, you know, from back in the days. You know, so we had such a, so we saw like, well, here goes Batman and Robin right. is going to Gotham City, you know, saying, hey, and he's gonna the doom. back at the Justice <laughs> Hall. Yeah, and one more question, one more quick before I leave, guys, do you have um, Netflix, right? You have Netflix? Yeah, Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. did tell me you saw the new Will series. That joint looked kind of good. I, yeah, I watched I have, it. Yep. Yo, I cannot be my man. Is like he, I like yo. I think got a was that Wark War Davis as will I glad they him him back in that character again. But between me, you, he look kind of like really like 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 leather. Like the leprechaun ride by now.
2: He's got to be squat.
7: <laughs> Jeez, no, serious. no serious seriously. no, seriously, all the side. Like you remember Leprechaun, I like I saw all oh, the oh, leprechauns, right? And then and, and then and then and then, and then and after that like, years later on, he, 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 you know, you so, know I mean I mean he I mean, he, I mean, like, he looked good for his age. But you look at him like he like he, he's like the leprechaun, like all he need now is a suit and then, no makeup.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're
7: right.
2: <laughs> you're absolutely right,
7: all right? Ray. All right guys, I'll let you guys go. Enjoy your night, you know what I'm saying? And I'll keep on touching, eh? right? All right, thanks Ray. for calling, Ray. Try to stay warm thanks down there. a little bit. Have no, yeah, yeah. It's of warm, but it's getting kind of cold out right now. But you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, you know, say like back and forth. You know what I'm saying? You know things, but you know, but I'm surviving. Mm-hmm. I'll be all right. And say hello I to your you wife to- for us too, Ray. I, I, let, I yes, I'll let her know. a you, all, guys. All right, have a good night. Thanks for calling, Ray. Thanks for Bye-bye. calling, man. Anytime. No problem. No problem. I'll see you guys guys soon.
2: All right. Thanks, Ray. Bye-bye. Peace. Peace. All right, guys. That was Ray from the Bronx down in New York City. All right, guys. So now we're going to dive into Star Trek Prodigy Preludes, Season 1, Episode 16. As the crew waits for the ship's protostar drive to charge, we learn the backstories of our heroes and villains. And as I've been doing every week, I have the soundbite to play, which is Kate Mulgrew talking about the lesson of the series.
6: Hi, I'm Kate Mulgrew, and I voice Catherine Janeway in Star Trek Prodigy. This week's lesson is all about the importance of listening. Everyone we meet has a story, where they come from and where they are going. I bet you have an interesting story. One of the best ways we can appreciate others we encounter is to simply listen. Tell us, kid, how'd you wind up on Tars Lamora? The crew of the Protostar learns just how rewarding listening can be in this week's episode of Star Trek Prodigy. Got anything you want to share? (laughs) Each of them shares the story of what life was like for them before they met on Tars Lamora. And escaped together. All your stories, everything you shared, I guess we all have a past. And together, a brighter future. By listening to one another, they each gain newfound appreciation for their fellow crewmates. Okay, thank you, Kate. Every
2: week on our Facebook page, I ask you guys, the fans, to score the episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. What score would you give preludes? And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say?
0: Well, top fan Hank Wirtz gave it a 9.5 with a question mark. uh, One of the best of the series so far. Too often framing sequence stories are throwaways, but this one is crucial to explaining everything going on this season and points towards what's to come. Awesome comment. Thanks, Hank. Uh, Nathan Kornhoff, friend of the show, said, Though I appreciate taking some time for filling in backstories of the main characters, it was a little slow for me. I give it a 7. Dustin S. Wing gave it a 7.5. Yaz Eminger said, I'd give it a 5. Tony Miller said, 8. Ken Swenson, the Admiral himself, said, it's Christmas. I'll give it a 9. Robert Smith, ooh, is that of The Cure? Who knows? Gave it an eight. Forrest Wade gave it a seven. Bruce Littlefield Sr. gave it an eight. And Sal Wish gave it an eight. And so that calcs out to a fan score this week for Preludes of 7.7. And uh, so 7.7 is kinda middle of the pack, guys, right? Uh, I think we've seen a recent trend here where we have been trending a little bit above uh, what the fans have liked. you know, fans have been given things mid 8s We've been given them mid-nines. Now we got a mid-seven from the fans, so I will be interested to hear what our experts have to say.
2: All right, guys, but before we do that, we always do our, our cadet training. <laughs> and this is the part of the show where Charles... We'll let you guys know where you can go to find out more information on um, either plot lines, stories, or characters that were featured in this week's episode. Take it away, Charles.
3: Oh, thank you very much, and thanks for Eric for giving me some ideas. I wasn't sure about what to do this week.
6: <clears throat>
3: According to seven nine, classic music such as Chopin has intriguing Chopin. mathematical Chopin has intriguing mathematical properties. Voyager's Human Error, which we see Janeway kind of taking some of that from it.
0: Yeah, it was kind of cool. As soon as she said she was listening to Chopin, I thought of that Seven moment when Seven talks about Chopin, um, because I think that that's very true. If you're a musician and a person who's into math like myself, there's a lot of corollary there. Then we
3: got – I'm not even sure how to pronounce this one –
0: uh, Shunkatsi uh, Sun- is the name of it yeah. Sun-
3: Uh Season 6 Episode 15 7-9 is kidnapped by an opportunist Ringmaster Who forces her participants her To participate in a Nordican blood sport
0: yeah, I thought about this one Relative to Rock Talk's story Which yeah. we'll talk about in a little bit here And just uh, how she was kind of forced to fight Because she was big Yep
3: and I see it reminds me a little bit also of Tosk mm-hmm. from uh, DS9.
0: That's a great episode too. Yeah. They enjoyed a
3: good argument and they considered a sport on Tellar, Enterprise's bounty. Because their ability to argue, Tellar made excellent politicians. Enterprise episode, Babel 1.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite things about Enterprise is they develop some of these old characters, and you get to learn a lot more about Tellarites. And also, Enterprise is the only place that they show Tellarite ships, which they also show in this episode.
3: And I threw one more in there, as I'm not sure we learned a whole lot about Janeway's dog. But Janeway's dog is discussed in detail on the biography of Catherine Jane Way, a very good book, and we've had, we've got, we've. I don't know if we actually interviewed. Yes, well, I think we did have an interview with the author on that specific book. hmm But yeah, I guess it sounds like we just need to talk about this episode.
2: Yes, we do, and. Uh... <clears throat> We always play the Admiral's Logs, which is really interesting because Aaron Waltke, who is the head writer and co-executive producer of Prodigy, writes these logs for um, Kate Mulgrew to read, of course, as Vice Admiral Janeway, not Hologram Janeway. And they they come out um, after the current episode, but before the new one, as a kind of in-between Thing. So this episode would have been last Thursday, and this captain's log dropped on Wednesday, which was yesterday. Okay, so this is Vice Admiral Janeway's um, log pertaining to last week's episode.
6: Vice Admiral's log starting 61396.4. The truth is never black and white. Starfleet's Watson subspace network has detected a bounty sent from the asteroid we investigated. A penal colony known as Tars lamora Within were prison records for our young fugitives, the unwanted. Dal R L Zero Rocktalk. Reading between the lines, their actual crimes are minor or non-existent. Captured by rogue Kazon, hauled across the quadrant by an illicit transport network, stripped of their rights, then sentenced to work in those forsaken mines. Pains me to think crippling the Borg all those years ago would leave this power vacuum, a place where such injustice could thrive. perhaps these unwanted on the protostar are not the criminals we thought, and this diviner is our true quarry. I believe I'm overdue for a serious discussion with our guest. It's time we know the
2: truth. Wow! So we'll have to wait till tonight's episode to find out how that conversation went, which I haven't watched, so I don't know yet. Which is good, because I would spoil it for you guys anyways, because I'm old and I forget. So, what do you say we dive right in? You guys ready to talk about it?
5: Absolutely. Yep. Definitely.
2: Yep. All right, let's go for it. So, who wants to go? Out? Uh, David wants to go last, so that's okay. So, why don't we hear? Why don't we start off with Charles? What do you think, Charles?
3: <clears throat> okay. I think this crew's gotten to know me well, and one of the things I do enjoy are backstories. So I thought it very interesting to get some backstories about where, where our characters came from. I do kind of agree with Nate a little bit. I think I've heard discussion. Rock Talk's story went a little long. <clears throat> but it was definitely an interesting perspective of what he went through his younger uh, uh, before he got stuck in the mines. She. She, sorry. Where she got stuck in the mines. And then <clears throat> each of the others, with the exception of our two main characters, definitely was really interesting how they ended up over there and our definitely has an interesting perspective of what he had to go through and why he got dumped in there. He was sitting there trying to save his ship and yet the computer couldn't even remember who he was. So good episode. Uh I thought interesting Jane Wade's log hit at the end of the episode but hit before the last scene of the episode whereas we also kind of got an interesting backstory of the diviner as well and what happened with him and how they kind of feel about what they think Starfleet did to them and so definitely I think makes me want to see what's going on with next episode And this being episode, which episode is this, Jim? Uh, This is 16. Yeah. We got episodes to go. 17, 18, 19, and 20. We got four episodes to figure out what's going to happen. We got through the rest of December. And that is it. And we get the idea they're going to wrap up this one. So I can't wait to see how they wrap this one up. Definitely, some insight too of what ha- what sort of what, what we what we we've, we've gotten more details of what happened to Jakote, even though Janeway doesn't know that fact. Yet. But overall, a good episode. Oh, uh, ish Uh, I'll bump it up a little bit and say in eight point five. Eight
2: point five from Charles, Not which is
3: a nine. Not quite the nine point last week, but still a good episode
2: little bit higher than our fans, which is which seems to be the the way we're going. And how about you, Eric? Uh
0: yeah, I overall I definitely like this episode. I think uh one of the things that we kinda of, I think is maybe solidified by this episode, but maybe we kind of already knew is just that uh somehow the Kazon are these like master pirates uh <laughs> in Prodigy. So they were the ones who were responsible for Uh, capturing rock talk they captured uh zero um you know i really i have to say out of all the stories um between the rock talk story the the uh zero story and the Jenkins pog story i really personally enjoyed the Jenkins pog story because um to me it totally explained why he refers to himself in the third person all the time right it's not that he has like some weird speech impediment or that he he can't figure out how to say the word i it's that he was actually forced by the ai on his ship or that little robot on his ship to constantly re-identify himself, which I think is brilliant personally writing because it feeds right into the fact that Tellarites are supposed to be a very argumentative species. And it makes sense that their robots would even kind of give people uh, trouble, you know? (laughs) They would just design them to like, ask very specific details and require very specific inputs in in return. So uh, I really enjoyed the Jacob Pog story personally. I thought the Rock Talk story was, was neat, you know, kind of gives you some perspective on where she comes from. The Zero one for me was kind of like, it was just like quick and easy, you know. People are trying to capture a Medusin for whatever, probably because they could sell it. Um, what the Medusins were doing on this planet on with a ship and stuff, I didn't quite get that part of it. But um, but yeah, uh, the overall message, I think, of this episode is like Jaina was saying you know, listen to your friends. You can learn a lot from them in terms of how they think about the universe. And in return, that helps you have empathy for them and kind of like you're able to support one another as you go through life uh, if you just tell these stories and kind of open up to one another. So very Star Trek-y kind of moral uh, embedded in this one. So yeah, overall, I dug this episode. It didn't like knock my socks off or anything, but um, I'd give it a solid at eight yeah it was it was good this this to me was the episode that had like the attitude that's very kid appropriate right it's like this is like great modeling for good behavior
2: (laughs) absolutely so um paul you want to go next or you want me to jump in here
5: oh i'm happy to i'm happy to yeah i'm i'm gonna sound like an echo of, of a lot of what uh eric just said though i think um I thought it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. I am likewise with Charles, a sucker for a good backstory, right? I love those, you know, uh, the comic book mindset—secret origins revealed, right? I mean, that's great stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked. Uh, yep. I liked. Uh, I, an interesting thing about all of these characters, though, that we had here is—is—and uh, we've had a little hint of this throughout the season, but it's like this kind of uh, theme that that all of these characters seem to have been almost discarded and and they feel like they don't really have any value which i think sometimes is a an unfortunate thing that that kids feel growing up right um at one point i think uh, they were referred to as the unwanted right, in the that one yep. file where they're all mm-hmm. the children like a wanted poster there the unwanted right um you know our protagonist is a, thinks of himself as a failed genetic experiment right um uh Especially Jankem Pog, right? This is what the Tellarites do with their orphans. They send them out on deep space missions to go mind shit, right? I mean, it's yeah. just really—you have no value. So we're going to basically use you like a janitor and a drum, and put you in a cryo chamber and send you out there. And you know, I mean, it's it's a horrible thing. And so, of course, all these characters have very low self-esteem, and and you know, Rock Talk especially, right? I mean, it's basically you're a you're a horrible monster. You're a monster. You know, you're only good for drinking NutraGoop and uh, doing like Thor Ragnarok pro wrestling, right? I mean, they have a lot of uh, self-worth to prove, uh, not just to each other, but to themselves. So I think that's a really interesting and uh, and and kind of a deep theme. I think, frankly, um, you know, that uh, I think is really great to be able to put that out for for a young audience to. To relate to and explore. Um, so I think that was really cool to get a lot of that uh, unifying sense of we need to be able to recognize the value amongst ourselves, but also to ourselves, which is really good. And we got a, I really dug getting all this backstory about uh, the Bonacot. I thought that was super cool. I liked all that stuff there about finally learning about the protostar arrival on uh, the planet Solem. Um, we learned that dreadnought wasn't just one dreadnought; they were like a whole Terminator army of dreadnoughts. One for every ship.
0: a hundred. Right, hundred ships. Yep.
5: Super cool. They, they were just dreadnoughts all over the place, and uh, and I like uh, ascensia I guess we're gonna call her ascensia still, right? But her her you know former title emerged as the Vindicator, mm-hmm. right? To to kind of be a companion there for. Uh, for uh, our boy from uh, Return of the King. So really interesting all that um that they were just basically, you know, in the midst of all the civil war, a lot of blaming of Star Starfleet from uh the Vonakat. Uh interesting. Um I got to confess uh that uh from you know, flashbacks of, of watching Voyager, the Kazon were absolutely probably top of my least favorite aliens on Star Trek ever list. Um, it just seems so uninventive and just, you know, hey, you've got crazy hair. Now go act mean and crazy. And just, I don't know. The Kazon never
0: really well, So, me so I'm here's like... what I'll say, Paul. At least this show is giving them a little bit of depth because I completely agree with you. On Voyager, they are weak sauce. <laughs> like they're no fun to watch, and they, they, like they're even the the writing around them is. It's almost like the writers didn't really know what to do with them. You know, they kind yeah. of want them to make them a bad guy, but they're not really that threatening. I mean, they have gigantic ships, but they hardly shoot any pew pews out of them so it's like yeah. <laughs> know, it's really supposed to be kind scared. of
5: bumbling and you know they yeah. get lucky every now and then but i i don't understand how you can capture um uh the medusans and not be driven insane by looking well at them. so they, they had have, the, did how you did, you did notice that work
0: that, well they had the the visors on that spock wears um did they, they i didn't even yeah, notice they, that yeah they all had huh. the visors on yeah they did okay
5: i should have i should have paid closer attention i was just uh squeezing this episode in when I had very little time, but I did notice this particular detail. I thought this was fascinating. I'm one of these people that looks at the credits, right? Because I like to acknowledge everybody. This episode, if you look at Preludes, right? There were nine credited writers on here, right? Nine, including the two Hagerman brothers and Trek Talk and guest of the show, Aaron Waltke okay nine that is nuts and i guess everybody wanted i mean that must be the whole writers room right but i'm just guessing that everybody wanted to contribute part of that uh the detail that adds up to the backstories of uh, you know what's like a show bible really when you're contributing what everybody's uh backstory was and so perhaps that's you know out of necessity what everyone got a credit but i was just like that's super unusual to see that many people get credit on one episode but uh i thought it was really interesting um i really liked learning more about the backstories of these characters because to me it makes me feel more invested in them and care about where they're going so uh for me it was really good i enjoyed it i i feel for rock Doc. i always feel a lot of uh, empathy for her i want her to feel better her about herself and uh, pursue her uh, passion for science and uh, it was cool to see her get to do a little, uh, operating of the controls today. So I like that. Um, uh, I want these guys to feel better about themselves though. I hate that everyone has a, a horrible self image right now. And, uh, and just in closing, I think it was great to finally see Janeway starting to go, wait a second, you guys might be the bad guys after all. Hold on. You know, finally,
1: and she figured it finally,
5: out. Finally, finally, yeah, wait a second. I was all, you know, pulled in by your I'm I feel sick I'm not doing well I must be in your I must be in your sick bay recovering because I don't remember I mean I'm glad that she's finally getting over that a little bit right so hopefully I mean I think you see where we're going um there's going to be some conflict and there's going to be some eventual coming together of Janeway and uh our protagonists here so really really cool um i would i would i would give it an eight just because i think there are some really strong ones that we have earned the nine um so for me a good solid eight uh it it left me wanting more you know which is always a great great way to end the episode so uh, good stuff friends keep at it well i uh i am with you paul
2: i hated the kazans with a passion. I thought they were <laughs> the weakest. They were worse than the Ferengi in TNG season one. Um, I couldn't stand them, just with a passion. Uh, so, the fact that they keep bringing them back on Prodigy, um, yeah, so there they are. Okay. I didn't like them, so there's that. So, uh, I thought that the, let me get this straight, guys. You can help me out here. So, the Federation showed up at they're at um, their home planet, uh, preferably in the current timeline, like in, right now, right? Isn't that when they discover them?
0: Is, uh, no, is... it's more like in the past. It's more like when, because uh, remember she said the, what's her name, ascensia she said that we, uh, to the Diviner that they used to be the same age. So back when the Diviner was her age, the, the Federation shows up to the planet.
2: So this is the point on this is what I'm trying to ascertain when they show the Federation meeting them It's a Prometheus class starship Yep, and it's in whatever year I, I was assuming that it was in the whatever current
3: timeline Prodigy Well, I mean I, in. I got this
0: I got um, this sense well, I mean Prometheus class ship is like still TNG era, so I you know I and this is, uh, you know, post-Voyager. So I, if I was putting – if I was throwing a dart at the wall, I would say, you know, 10 years prior to our current timeline, this happened. I mean, we don't, we don't really know it's 10 years.
2: but I'm Yeah, saying. we don't know exactly, but it's relatively right. close. So the Federation shows up there. They're highly advanced. Federation says, hey, dudes, why don't you come and join us? And then half the planet says, no, to hell with you. And the other half of the planet says, yeah, let's do it. And then a the civil war breaks out.
3: Let's fight about it. And
2: this, the civil war rages. And this kind of reminds me of Strange New Worlds, the episode Strange New Worlds. And um, a civil war breaks out. Okay. And it, and it rages 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 and it rages. Now, Chakotay is put in charge of the Protostar. He's testing the, the slipstream in the Delta Quadrant uh okay so and creates a time vortex and goes like way in the future like what is it like 29 it's it's not as far in the future as discovery but it's way in the future correct like 29 something
0: uh i don't know about that is that true yeah he
2: go they go way into the future and when they when the protostar gets there The planet is decimated and there's only a hundred left with a hundred ships. They blame the Federation. They capture Chakotay. They capture his crew. They put this super smart, intelligent uh, AI on the ship to go and wipe out the Federation. Chakotay escapes and they send the ship back in time to where we find it in the first episode. And then Chakotay is stuck way in the future with his crew. I'm trying to put together
0: the timeline here. That's yeah, I, I the only thing the only thing that I would uh, adjust about everything that you said is in my understanding. It's not way in the future. It's like their civil war raged for you know I, throwing a dart at the wall again like another ten years, and that was about it. Like I don't think he's like in the 32nd century. I think he's a tiny bit in the future, and they already had this construct thing or whatever they call it that they you know. They already had that technology. And then when he falls out of the time vortex, we don't know why he falls out of the time vortex. He just says something about the thing—the time thing is collapsing. Da, da, da. And so, you know, we don't know why that happens, but that's the only reason he kind of shows up at, at their planet at all. It's all very serendipitous.
2: Yeah. So Chakotay sends the protostar back to the future or back to the past. <laughs> Back to the past, yeah. Back to the past, where it lands on tars Lamora, yep. where the Diviner is, but the Diviner doesn't know the ship is there.
0: Well, so the the ship is sent back through the the time vortex, right? And it is unmanned. Chakotay sends it back, so it has no people on it, and it's sent back. And then after that, the Diviner is sent back in time, but the, the timing of the... Of, what's going on is not exact and who so he's sent back to a time that's not that's prior to when the protostar is sent back and so that's why it takes him a long time to find the protostar.
1: yeah
2: so i'm just you know trying yeah. to figure it all that's out but kind that's, kind of that's, a,
0: cool. that's the timeline you know what we should do is we should draw a graphic and post it on our website at least as we understand it from this episode because this episode is well, absolutely like, the one that opened it all up and kind of like gave us all the info right
2: like, because I'm an anal Star Trek fan, and we like to talk about stuff like this. This is mm-hmm. what we strive for, right? This is what we live for. Well,
0: we want to jam our <laughs> science fiction into a box that somehow makes sense to us. <laughs> yeah,
2: this, this, this is what we do. So that's why I, I bring it up, not to be a pain in the ass or anything, but just to have some fun with it and, and, and canoodle our minds around it. That's all. That's all I'm saying. But at any rate, Chakotay is now left in the future, however far that might be. And Janeway does not know that, but we do. Uh, I also thought that um, Rock Talk's story, I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but the little alien cat that's there yeah. is the same alien cat that we see in the first episode.
1: Yep.
2: Um, now we find out that the alien cat uh, was actually there. I, I don't, did they ever give that cat a name? I don't know. Uh,
0: well, they. I think they did because they dug into that character. Yeah, I
4: think that's the wrong cat. It's a different cat. The other cat in episode one was more orange. This one was more blue, I thought.
0: Oh, that is true. Well, it it could have been
4: lighting. I don't know.
2: But I just thought it was (laughs) cool that we we saw the cat again. That was a neat little tie-in. So as far as the story goes, I I didn't enjoy this one quite as much as you guys did. Um, I thought the backstories were neat and all and cool and stuff. Um, but I didn't enjoy them quite as much. I, I mean, well, same thing that Eric said, like, why did we have a bunch of, um, of Ovians? Oh God, Ovians. I'm in Battlestar Galactica world.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> What's wrong with me? I mean, why did they have a bunch of Medusans just kind of hanging around? Just, just, uh, just hanging there. And the Kazon's just happened to show up with their gla- sunglasses on. <laughs>
5: Uh, yeah, zero zero says they were curious minds who left their home world to explore. That is all yeah, Zero gives us.
6: That's all. So they're kind of like,
5: fun. you know, like on a field trip, you know, ethereal field trip, I guess.
0: The right? black sheep deuces. Yeah, and,
5: and they made zero. the mistake of wandering into a place where nobody has good <laughs> hair products.
0: Expert black <laughs> right. Yeah, because
5: right. that's, really that's you know, why yeah. do you think the caizans are so angry all the time and so mad, right? Because their hair They hair got products, like, right? one hair one good stylist could kill up. them the hell out, man, but uh, yeah, you know, the sheep no, one, on no one's willing bed. to invest the... No one's willing to take that on. I know I wouldn't. <laughs> hell no. And uh, oh I, I really
2: particularly like Jacob Pog's story because Jacob Pog's story was a story of self-sacrifice. Yeah. And um, I think that says a lot about the character when he says, I don't even know... The computer didn't have a name. At least I don't remember them giving it one. But when the When the floating computer droid says to him, there's not enough oxygen for everybody to survive the trip home. And then Jacob Pox says, well, if there was 29 instead of 28, would it help? And the computer says yes. And then he makes the sacrifice to jettison himself. I thought that scene was was awesome because it says so much about that character. That that he was willing to sacrifice his own well-being for the rest of the orphans. I thought that was great. I really thought that was really uh, added a lot to that character that that character needed, you know, especially being a teller, right? I thought that was great. Um, let me see what else, what else? What else? Um, yeah, so, yeah, overall, um, I, I, I enjoyed it, but not as much as you guys did. And I think um, I want to do some more canoodling with the trying to figure out the where's and the wins. But, build uh, I'm a gonna go with a, yeah, we need a timeline uh, Like like Mariner did On, on lower decks with the, with the thread and the stuff on the wall um, But overall I, I think I would go with a 7 On this one, I think It wasn't really bad But for me it wasn't really, really good I was going to go with a 7 But that's about right for me And as requested Our very own Donut Guy You wanted to
4: wait till last So you're up all right, you guys ready for another 30-minute uh, debate? I'm just kidding. Um, Let's go. Sure. Are, you, are you going to explain to us
2: the time differences between when the when Chakotay left and when he arrived? Did you, you, you figure that all out using mathematical kind of. equations? Um,
4: yeah. um I did have a couple of theories of why there is such a thing, a big gap in between the uh, timeline, but. It had mostly to do with our latest episode that we have, uh, not not today's episode, but I meant in the past episode, a couple of episodes ago mm-hmm. where, when they were dealing with the TLCR. Um Why, if you guys remember, why is it that they showed the one Federation ship design that the Romulans had captured to show up at this planet? And... I know that the Federation got the Prometheus back and everything, but they could have been able to, I mean, they stayed on there long enough to copy whatever design they had. Maybe they could have remade the Prometheus and the Romulans actually visited that planet. And since Romulans, all we know is, of course, they deal with a lot of time travel stuff anyway, quantum theories and all this stuff. So I'm just curious whether or not that is a Romulan encounter and they thought it was a Federation and um, so there's some sort of twist like that happening. So I don't know. I thought it would be interesting to find out if something like that would to happen. But, <clears throat> okay. So let me stop you theory... right
2: there. Let's stop right there for a second. And let's ask the truck spurts. I have a question. The last episode that we, so we know that they had this intelligent AI construct on the planet. And we know that the Romulans from Star Trek Picard, the, um, the Bosch, are out to eliminate all AI. And in the last episode, we saw the, the we saw them trying to get this AI intelligence off well, of the ship.
0: We saw Tal are. You know? We don't know that they were Zhat because they didn't have – yeah, we don't know for sure that well, they, they were
2: Zhat Well, I, I, I am pretty sure that they are because they had very similar armor to what we saw in Picard when they killed Soji or Zos, yeah. Soji. Um, so that made me think that that's who they were because they had that same armor that they had and the same kind of technology that we saw in Picard season one, when they killed Soji. That's what made me think they were, that they were Zos, ba, Zos, ba, Zos, ba, Zos, that they were them guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and I when, mean, yeah, go
2: ahead. And because, they knew that that super intelligence was on the ship, and as far as I know, maybe you guys, maybe I missed something. It was never the Romulans never knew that that AI was on the ship. They had no clue. But Mm-mm. but uh, if what if what David says is true, and it wasn't actually the Federation that went that went to their home world, then they would have then they would have known that that, that 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 super AI construct was on the ship, and they'd been looking for it all this time. I can see where that would make sense, kind of.
1: You
2: know, I'm not saying this did. is. We're canoodling, and we're
0: allowed to do that. (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, I mean, wasn't – so the Prometheus – that shows up in Voyager, right? That's isn't that from like uh, Ship of Message a in a of Bottle, a, like
4: way way in a few, uh, like season seven, I think, or six. Uh,
0: really? I feel like it's actually like yeah, season four. It's like the middle of the show because, um, uh, yeah, actually, I just found it here. Uh, so yeah, Message oh, in a Bottle, right? um, season four, episode fourteen. Uh, oh, and, it's okay. the, and it's the one where the Romulans, they actually hijacked the Prometheus, right? So, mm-hmm. so it's not that they duplicate it, right? I, I was trying to understand what we, your theory was. It was your theory that it was an actual Prometheus class, but that it was being driven by Romulans? Or that it was a, like a Romulan ship that was disguised somehow?
4: Or both. I mean, the Romulans were on there long enough to know how things worked. And they were literally put buttons like they were trained to drive that ship. So my theory was they had long enough time to try and get information off of that ship to the Romulans, to do the schematic design for the ship. So they could have probably built a mock version of it. I'm going to have to do, look at the outside. And it looks all different, kind of like that episode here, uh, uh, the episode from Enterprise where the... Uh, the drone ship, you know, looks fine on the outside, but it was just, like, completely different and technical on the inside. So my theory was is that what if it was a Romulan design? Maybe it was unmanned, like the probe, but the idea is that it was supposed to cause sort of um, thing, like maybe the Federation was going to make first contact, but the Romulans beat them to it, to try and disrupt some sort of relationship or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's some other idea out there that could be better, but <laughs> it's just the idea that it could be a Romulan make, divine, whatever. And we all know Romulans are completely into the whole theory of time travel anyway. So I don't know. It just The just two, two came together. I was just like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. So I don't know. It's interesting.
2: It's fun to canoodle. It's fun. Absolutely. <laughs> um, i I don't we'll think it's down. as far fetched. You know, I think I, I can make it make sense in my mind, so that's cool.
0: Well, and so uh what I I did a little research here while we were on the air and I know that with some of us have maybe you know, we just have this automatic negative opinion of the Kazon, but remember that the uh the Kazon – so they were d- divided into 18 different sects, and the reason they were divided into those 18 different sects that were that the Kazon were actually originally a subjugated race. Um, they were slaves to the Trave. And so basically the way that they killed the Trave off were they started stealing their crap. <laughs> so, okay. so they are, so even though the writing on Voyager didn't really give the Kazon a chance to develop into a meaningful foe, I would say, I think that's fair to say, I think what they're doing right now on Prodigy is they're trying to expand their um, you know mythos just a little bit, and actually I think everything that they're doing is consistent. So so I guess what I the reason I wanted to say that, guys, is that it's very easy to poo-poo the Kazon because, honestly, on Voyager they kind of suck. And I think on Prodigy, they're doing a decent job of trying to give them a little bit more of an identity than they used to have. And I think if you kind of go back and you you dig into their background a little bit, that they were this like slave race that overcame their masters, try and view everything they do from that perspective. I'm not saying they're an amazing like <laughs> race that you should be super proud of, but maybe they're a little deeper than people think they are.
4: Yeah. I, yeah. Personally, I don't really hate the k I actually kind of like them. They're just different. <laughs> but um, my opinion on this episode, I actually did like this episode. I just didn't like it as much as uh, my previous scores that I've had. So, But I did have one question for all of you. I know that Eric and um, uh, Jim had already mentioned what their favorite backstory was. So Charles and Paul, did you guys ever mention what your favorite backstory was? Uh,
3: Probably the Tellerite.
0: The Tellarite one? Yeah, Jacob Boggs. Yeah, Jacob. What do you think, Paul?
5: Yeah, I, I like Jenkins a lot too, but I really did like Rock's backstory as well, just because it yeah. it, it went a little deeper. It was more uh, about, you know, I mean, it was really a little bit more of a of a short story because we got way more into her head emotionally about uh, how she was feeling and things like that. But uh, but as far and you know, they were all interesting different ways. But I think for me, I would I would I think the one that just was tight. I think it was most sharply drawn was, was Jenkins Poggs.
4: Nice. Uh, yeah, I think that was actually my favorite one too. <laughs> cool. Well, um, overall, I think I'm gonna give this one a um, eight point five. I think that's all I can give it. Really, it was good, but it wasn't that good. <laughs>
0: Hello. Hello. Did we lose you, Jim? We're here. <laughs> Hello, Jim. <laughs> I hope he's not
5: canoodling
2: Aging Jim to
5: the bridge
1: (laughs) (laughs) So um,
2: We have uh, We have our caller back on the line
1: Oh that's nice
2: Caller is back Caller are you there I am here It's Nate from Vegas
1: It's Nate Nate from from Vegas Vegas. He's
2: our caller see (laughs) So would you like to share Your opinion on this episode
4: uh, yeah, I, I posted on uh, on the Facebook page and on your personal page, uh, but my, my opinion is that I did appreciate Backstory overall because it filled out a little bit more about the characters, but it was a little slow for me overall as an episode. Uh, so I gave it a seven. I thought Jim, you gave it a six, but you just said you, you changed your mind and gave it a seven as well. Uh, so apparently through discussion, something changed there, but that's okay. All right.
2: So, um, that wraps up our review of preludes and we're, as you guys know, we've been, uh, trek talking is friends with long island trek and um they asked eric to do them a little favor and eric put together this really awesome spot which i'm going to play for you guys right now and you can all tell eric how great he is after you hear it
0: heads up trek fans limited edition astronaut fred hayes signature edition patches are now available to those of you who make donations to taking up space an organization run by our dear friends, Arena Salido. Taking Up Space provides STEM education to middle school-aged Native American girls, as well as scholarships to attend space camp after the girls complete the 32-week program. Please consider supporting this worthy cause and adding this beautiful patch to your collection. Fred Hayes has generously signed 150 signature cards, which will be individually numbered and sent with each of the 50 gold thread and 100 silver thread patches. Taking Up Space also has open edition white thread signature patches available. To procure your patches, make donations directly to Taking Up Space. A $75 donation is required for a gold thread patch, $50 for a silver, and $15 for a white. If you're interested, please contact Lois Honeycut through Facebook Messenger or by email at historianmom at gmail.com. She will verify that the patches you want are still available and will provide you with a donation link. Patch distribution will initially be limited to one gold and two silver per person. Once again, please contact Lois Honeycut at historianmom at gmail.com.
2: Another excellent job by Eric, if I do say so myself, and I know that I know that the people at Long Island trek uh like that so much that they want to use that in their own promotion, so thank you very much Eric
0: No problem it's a great charity, right. you guys you should check them out
2: yeah they are they are good they are really good um so now it's time for convention convention convention. Oh,
0: Calendar. yeah that's right uh and we're gonna start this convention calendar right because we are going to be tracking in the middle of february right here where your trifecta lives fan expo portland 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 february 17th through the 19th at the beautiful oregon convention center in portland oregon uh what do you say paul what do you say I think we
5: should go. Yeah, I think we should go. Uh, We have to go find out if uh, I I can't wait in line for autographs, man. So as much as I'm like, as much as I like to see who's there, I I can't do it. I can't. I'm not a good patient person waiting. But it's fun to cruise around and see what's going on.
0: Um, uh, People watching
5: for good cause. And it's the convention
0: center, which is great. So totally.
5: I think we should check it out.
0: What a great space. So check that out, guys. February 17th or the 19th. You may see Paul and I wandering around looking like we don't know what we're doing. So that could be good times. We're also going to be checking out the Fan Expo Vancouver. That's right. Uh, six hours north of Portland, February 18th or the 20th. That very same weekend, uh, if you're a Canadian instead of a Portlandian, You could just head to that Vancouver Convention Center and go check out Fan Expo there instead. So uh, uh, if I wasn't in Portland, I would definitely go there. We are also going to be tracking a Floridian con. That's right, Pensacon, February 24th through the 26th at the Pensacola Bay Center in beautiful Pensacola, Florida. David, which cons do you have on your list, sir?
4: All right. Well, it looks like I've got a Happy Valley Comic and Collectible Convention 2023 from February 25th to the 26th at the Nittany Valley Sports Center State College in Pennsylvania.
1: <clears throat>
4: Next on my list is the Capitola Comic Con over in the Co- 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 Coconut Grove. Uh, Santa Cruz, California, from March 4th to the 5th. Uh, Last on my list is the SW Florida Con, March 5th only, at the Crown Plaza Fort Myers at Bell Tower Shops, Fort Myers, Florida. Paul, what's on your list?
1: Well,
5: I tell you what, people of the state of Georgia, this week I have particular love for you. I know that things get crazy, right? They, Of course they get crazy, but uh, I'm just saying this with a wink to people in Georgia who know who they are. Thank you, Georgia. Thank you so much. And in Georgia, in Atlanta, once the real Mardi Gras is over, about two or three weeks later, you can go to something called Nerdy Gras. <laughs> I love it. Mardi Gras, Nerdy Gras, you see what they did there? March 10th through 12th at the Atlanta Marriott Northeast in the Emory area in Atlanta, Georgia. All the cool people will be there screaming that spring is just mere days away, wreaking havoc before spring break happens. So I would get thee to Nerdy Gras if you're in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Meanwhile, in New England, in the wonderful land of Plainville, Massachusetts, there's nothing plain about that. Uh, March eleventh, it's the Crawling Chaos Con twenty twenty three. That has a very H P Lovecraftian vibe to the title, crawling the crawling chaos. Right? I mean, does anyone else get that? March eleventh, twenty twenty three, at the Plain Ridge Park Casino. So be careful. You know, See, you've, a lot of times we show up at these cons, Set up feeling my- like, oh, I got my park, my pockets feel <laughs> loose because there's all this <laughs> merch I want to walk away with. Right? I want to get this uh foam rubber sword or these you know uh ballet tights or whatever the hell you're going to get right <laughs> Just, so be careful here, if not too loose because you're going to be in a casino in plainville massachusetts where anything can happen and it probably will and lastly uh moving further west in march 11th through 12th at the glass city center that sounds very futuristic in toledo ohio it's fantastic on toledo 2023 That sounds like all kinds of good fun there at Glass City Center in Toledo. Charles, what you got?
3: Well, let's start off heading to Ohio. The Cleveland Comic Book and Nostalgic Show. March 12th at the By Hilton Hotel, Cleveland-Westlake in Westlake, Ohio. Or you can drop down to Texas for the Texas Fury Fiesta. March 16th to 19th at the Sheridan Dallas Hotel in Dallas, Texas. Or the Marmalade Dog, March 17th and 19th at the John T. Bernhardt Center in Kalamazoo, Missouri.
5: Michigan. The Marmalade Dinner. Dog. What
0: is, what, what's I know going marmal- on there? I love that name. <laughs> it's like
5: you I'm
0: really dog. Yeah, yeah that,
5: that that sounds like all kinds of nonsense is going to happen there. Kalamazoo, the John T. Burns Center. What's going on? I'm just very confused. It's totally random. <laughs> it's like Marmalade does it sounds like if you had to have like a password to get into the most surreal and psychotropic well, <laughs> rave ever. That's the password. I'm pretty sure marmalade dog will get me in.
4: Anyone else find that pretty yummy to eat? uh, It's delicious,
0: and it's a gaming convention, so it's all guys who love their snacks, right?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Excellent. That is hilarious. Well,
3: I think I'm going to say with that, computer news.
6: Priority 1 message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert.
2: Okay, Eric. You get to start us off with our first news story.
6: Yeah, our
0: first uh, news story this week is a remembrance because, unfortunately, we already chatted about this. Star Trek II actress, Kirstie Alley, has died this week. Kirstie Alley's passing was first reported on Monday night. According to the family, Alley died after a battle with cancer only recently discovered. The family thanked the doctors and nurses at Moffat Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida, where she passed away surrounded by her closest family. Star Trek fans will remember Allie for her role as Lieutenant Savick in the 1982 film Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. This was her first big Hollywood role. When she appeared at her first Star Trek convention in 2016, she talked about how the mentor-student relationship between Spock and Savick carried over into her real life. She said, I felt he tried to mentor me into being more responsible. He would sort of look at me more than Leonard Nimoy. You know, what's wrong with you? I felt like that worked because he was sort of looking at me like that in real life. And it sort of worked for Savick because she was his protege. She took whatever he thought or said very seriously. So it was always a little, I was always a little bit nervous around Leonard. After Star Trek II, Allie's career took off in film and television, primarily primarily in comedy roles, including three Who's talking movies in the 80s and 90s. Of course, she's probably best known for her 1987 to 1993 run on the hit sitcom Cheers uh, a character Rebecca, which earned her an Emmy Award and a Golden Globe she went on to star in her own sitcom, Veronica's Closet, and later as a fictionalized version of herself in Fat Actress. In recent years, she has appeared in a number of reality competition shows, including Dancing with the Stars, and this year in The Masked Singer. Condolences are starting to come in for Kirstie Alley on social media. Nicholas Meyer said, Appalling news. I'm shocked and saddened to learn... Christy Alley's death from cancer at the age of 71, having played some part in her professional career and so enjoyed her wit and spirit, the wind has been quite knocked out of my sails. If the world was not a poor place before, it is more so as I write this. William Shatner commented and said, sad to hear of the passing of Christy Alley. Condolences to her family and friends. Jonathan Frake said, R.I.P. Mambo Queen. And Brian Fuller said, she was a hell of a Vulcan, rest in peace. Um, and I wanted to make a little personal comment on Chris Christy Alley here, too. I think that she's kind of left a complicated legacy over the last, you know, five to ten years or so. And there was a post made by um, a fan of the show who is also on a page on Facebook called Star Trek Wholesome Posting. And Jesse Whitehead had this to say about Christy Alley. Christy Alley leaves behind a complicated legacy. She was a bright shining star in Wrath of Khan. She frequently had me doubled over with laughter on Cheers and in Drop Dead Gorgeous. She was part of this cast charisma that helped me look who's talking, that helped make Look Who's Talking a hit. She was also a plus size woman who had to suffer the indignity of dealing with body image issues in front of the whole world. She starred on a show called Fat Actress. You might guess from the title that it failed to be nuanced or humanizing. She was also a Scientologist and a Trump supporter who said some pretty vile things in the last seven uh, years of her life. Uh, she's gone now, and uh, Jesse is trying to figure out how to feel about her. She certainly doesn't feel the need to jump on every RIP post with, she was a Trump supporter, you know, because that's disrespectful, But like everyone else, uh, she has a lot of fond memories of Allie's work, and she feels that a lot of sorrow um, is welling up for her and her family, that they had to watch someone that they loved cancer and so quickly um, die uh, as a result. Uh, Jesse says, I'm honestly not sure what point I'm making. All I know is that an artist that I once had great respect for became kind of a terrible person in the last years of her life and then she died i'd rather remember her as rebecca from cheers than as a supporter of um uh certain points of view but life is usually more complicated than we'd like it to be i'd like to remember her as both rest in peace cursey ali i'm sorry about the person that you choose to became but i'm glad that you're not in pain anymore so Complicated legacy left behind by Kirstie Alley um, and great portrayal of Favik in Star Trek. So uh, rest in peace, Kirstie Alley. Paul, take it away with our next story. All right. Well, you know, what got me
5: into the Trek talking uh, universe was not a tractor beam. Well, it kind of was a tractor beam.
1: <laughs> it was
5: uh, Eric's uh, fondness for Star Trek alcohol. <laughs> I know how this whole thing started for me, and that's where this story comes here today, because guess what? Star Trek Wines has now made an evolutionary step, and they've launched themselves to the wormhole and emerged on the other side as Star Trek Spirits, and they are launching that rebranded name with Romulan Ale, Whiskey, and Vodka. From the team behind Star Trek Wines comes a new way to celebrate your fandom, buddies, Star Trek Spirits. And they are going to kick things off with Romulan ale in custom bottles to match the iconic drink first featured in Star Trek II The Wrath of God. The mission of Star Trek Spirits is to create a new line of ultra-premium spirits worthy of the Star Trek universe. They plan to reimagine old classics from the franchise and produce a line of spirits focusing on authenticity, premium quality, and bespoke glass vessels. From its first appearance in Star Trek II, Romulan Ale has become legendary as a highly potent beverage of Romulan origin with its characteristic crystal blue color. It also had an aura of mystique due to being declared illegal by the Federation, if you know what I'm saying. However, even though, it is a, even though it is illegal, if you say the phrase marmalade dog, you can still be allowed to get in answer.
0: <laughs> you just
5: got to know the secret, secret you word. You got to on our show. Right. If you don't listen to Trek talking, you won't know this stuff. Okay. so we're just here to help. It's a public service program. Star Trek Spirits first offering will continue the tradition with limited edition releases of Romulan Ale Rye Whiskey and Romulan Ale Vodka. Or as a certain helmsman navigator might say, vodka, each an individually numbered bottle from concept to cork. Bringing this classic part of Star Trek history alive has been an amazing journey. Our Romulan Ale Blue Vodka has a fantastic electric blue appearance with no sediment whatsoever. On swirling, it leaves a phenomenal blue coat on the inside of the glass with long, thin legs. Wonderful, bright appearance. Unlike several other vodkas, this one is not highly filtered, so you have a great body and mouthfeel that would otherwise be lost. Romulan Ale Rye Whiskey the rye graininess is apparent in the nose and initial taste on the tongue. Then comes the sweet brown note of vanilla creaminess and sweetness. It has the spicy peppery notes that all high rye whiskies are known for in the finish, but ours is muted with dried fig, raisin, and cherry fruitiness. The Romulan ales will be available in early December. That's now. The rye whiskey is priced on sale if you say marmalade dog at $85 for each bottle with the vodka priced at $75. But hey, if you're me, somebody who likes to, you know, entertain and uh, enjoy a a good spirit, there's also a two-pack available with both. For 155, do you really want the regret of having chosen one and not gotten the other? That always sense of FOMO of never really knowing what did I miss out on? Go for both. It's 155. You can pre-order Romulan Ale direct at Star Trek Spirits dot com. That's Star Trek Spirits dot com. Star Trek Spirits dot com. Hopefully, we'll be able to sample these ourselves here as part of the. Uh, selfless and altruistic, uh, non-profit, uh, denizens of, uh, Trek talking and TrekTalking.com. Uh, of course, uh, there is a, a lengthy and uh, highly uh, regarded tradition that's been established with the fireside chats that Eric and myself have, uh, eagerly, uh, participated in and we would love to the next level with Star Trek startrekspirits.com. So our friends there, at uh, StarTrekSpirits.com, we salute you with, uh, currently, empty glasses held
0: aloft. Fill these, please. Just
5: <laughs> waiting. Just waiting for your magical Star Trek Spirits replicators to fill them up so we can toast you with our flagons. And with that, I'll pass my empty glass to my friend Charles.
3: Charles? All right. Thank you, Paul. <clears throat> Jonathan Frakes reaches out to J.J. about direct, directing Star Trek IV. With the sequel experiencing a variety of delays, Jonathan Friggs says he reached out to J.J. Abrams about directing Star Trek IV. Friggs has a story history with the Star Trek franchise, beginning his tenure with Star Trek The Next Generation in 1987. Friggs also went out to make an appearance in several other franchise shows, including Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Lower Decks, uh, Enterprise, and most recently, Star Trek Picard. During his time with the series, Frakes has also served as director for two of the movies, First Contact and Insurrection. His first directing job was helming an episode of Star Trek Next Generation, with him going on to direct another seven episodes of the show. He also also directed episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Frequently, Freighton's directed seven episodes of Star Trek Discovery and six episodes of Picard. Following three well-received movies, J.J. Abrams' Star Trek IV has encountered a number of hurdles trying to get off the ground including multiple scrapes, scrap stories, and a revolving door of directors. One could argue Jonathan Frigg's ongoing involvement with the franchise could make him the best pick to helm the long-delayed Star Trek IV. In fact, I believe his first episode he directed was Offspring, mm-hmm. which is considered yep. one of the great episodes so of, of Next Generation.
2: So I think that Jonathan Frake's directing would be an awesome choice, but <clears throat> having been home sick, um, I've been watching Star Trek. You guys may have seen my uh, some of my posts in our chat saying I love Star Trek. That's because I've been going back and watching all of the movies. I watched them all. And I have to say that as much as I love it, and yes, Star Trek V is the best Star Trek movie that's ever been filmed, absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt.
1: <sighs> I think
2: that- I, I I really think that... Uh, what, is, what is going on here? What happened? There we go. I really think that one of the... that Star Trek needs to do is they need to... they need to have a thread between all the movies, kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe does. They They create these great characters for instance carol marcus and they disappear jayla they disappear they write all these great characters savik disappears they write these characters and they write these great stories and these great movies and then they forget about everything in the next movie and i think that star trek needs to to uh start making sure that their movies make sense with the previous movies and incorporating some of what's introduced in the previous movie in the next movie um it's just my opinion. And I think Jonathan Frakes would be perfect for something like that.
1: Um, yeah.
2: You know, they could bring back Cybok and do like, like Star Trek 5.0 type of a deal, you know, and what what happened at Nimbus 3 type of a thing, you know. That would be awesome. All right. David, you got our next story.
4: Woo! All right. <clears throat> Star Trek Lower Decks nominated for Critics' Choice Award. The television nominations were announced by the Critics' Choice Association and Star Trek Lower Decks was nominated for Best Animated Series. While all three of the J.J. Abrams' Star Trek films picked up nominations for the Critics' Choice Movie Awards, this is the franchise's first for the Critics' Choice Television Awards which began in two thousand eleven. The two different awards shows have <clears throat> the two different award shows have merged into the Single Critic Choice Awards, which will be broadcast live on the C W from the Fairmount Century Plaza in Los Angeles on Sunday, January fifteenth, twenty twenty three. Recently wrapping up its third season, Lord Dex has been picking up more and more ac- uh, ac- a code- accolades. Ac- accolades. Acc- accolades. Uh, in 2022, including series of nominations at the Saturn Awards, Hollywood Critics Award, and Hugo Awards. A fourth season has already been ordered, and is expected to debut in 2023. All right, Jim, what's awesome.
2: your story? So, accolades, is that when you wiggle your, your fingers under the water
5: and fish come and bite your fingers? No, no, no. No, Jim. Accolade, is, uh, no, accolade, no. accolade is when you take vodka and you add it to uh, lemonade. It becomes accolade.
1: Okay, <laughs> oh but only if you're drinking it underwater. <laughs> you probably you have, you have to, to have a marmalade
4: uh,
5: uh, so add yeah, Lemonade news. vodka drank underwater is called accolade. I thought it
4: was avocados <laughs> or
5: Aquilade if you're like you know have an accent like I do you could say Aquilade
0: my friend it's okay. yeah that's right <laughs> put that flute down right now uh,
5: step
2: away from the flute <laughs> alright guys I've got the final story of the evening uh, Michelle Yeoh to receive international star award for everything everywhere all at once have you guys seen that movie yet
0: Oh, heck yeah. You have? That's a great movie. I,
7: you have to I see that movie
0: multiple times. Like, watch it and then schedule another watching in like seven days and watch it again. It's so good.
2: Yeah, I just, I love Michelle. Yo, the, the scene when she kicks Lorca in the face and he's behind her just blows my mind every single time. She's just incredible. I, we are so fortunate to have her as part of the Star Trek family. She's just an incredible, incredible actress. Anyways. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. So she received uh, the International Star Award for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once at the Palm Springs International Film Awards. Michelle Yeoh was set to receive the International Star Award at the 34th Annual Palm Springs International Film Awards in honor of the building star, of the budding <clears throat> stars, critically acclaimed performance in the A24 film Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Michelle Yeoh is everything in the exhilarating film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, that Harold Matzer, chairman of the film festival. In one of the most memorable roles of her career, Yeoh plays Evelyn Wong, a Chinese-American woman who was recruited to save the multiverse. Following the completion of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Yeoh starred in Kenneth Branagh's A Haunting in Venice, the sequel to Murder on the Orient Express, which has theaters on September 15th. Other recent credits include notable roles in Netflix series like The Witcher, Blood Origin, and The Brothers' Son, as well as the Disney Plus show America Bored Chinese. Yo has been mentioned as a potential Best Actress contender at this year's Academy Awards. Past performers who received the International Star Award
1: include
2: Nicole Kidman, Ser- oh, Sarah Ronan, Charlize Theron. Helen Moran, and last year's recipient, Penelope Cruz, all of whom went on to receive Oscar nominations. The award ceremony is scheduled for January 5th at the Palm Springs Convention Center with the festival slated to proceed through January 16th. Breaking news, as in just happening, Michelle Yeoh has been named Icon of the Year by Time
1: Magazine.
2: So, as I said, we are very fortunate to have her as a member of our Star Trek family. So, congratulations
0: to Michelle
2: Yell. Well, guys, yo, 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 that wraps up the show. What do you think about that? <laughs>
0: Ooh, it was a good one. It was another good, a one. good one. It oh, definitely was.
2: Oh. Uh, before, we, before we go, though, I want to let you guys know that Monday, same bat time, same bat channel, we're going to have Stephanie – Edwin and uh Rachel from Long Island Trek and they have a very special announcement to make and they're going to make it live and we have a pre-recorded message um from a special Star Trek actor um who is going to be appearing on this podcast in February you're going to have to tune in Monday to find out who I'm talking about so check that out head over to TrekTalking.com for all your latest information And you can learn about my Trek spurts while you're there. So check that out, please. I want to say thank you so much to Nathan for calling and hanging out with us tonight. Thank you, Nate. I think, yep, Nate, we lost Nate. Uh, Thank you so much for Paul for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you, Paul.
5: That was a blast, man. We had all all kinds of good fun, I think, this evening. So it was great. Yeah, we were canoodling all over the place, weren't we? I'm not canoodling (laughs) with you, man. I like it. There's
2: no way I'm canoodling with you. Yeah, that, it. that ship has sailed, dude. Sorry. That, that, the the J-Train has left the station. <laughs>
5: that's, that's right, man. I, I'm Sorry about that one. but uh, It's okay. And, this uh, uh, podcast is brought to you by Roger's Thesaurus. Yes, it's true.
2: <laughs> and I also want to say thank you to our very own David, the Donut Guy, for hanging out and truck talking with us My Thank you, David.
4: Yeah, it's fine. Sorry I didn't have any donuts, but, you know.
2: Maybe next time. Maybe next when we have the when we have the Romulan Ale vodka you can bring the donuts. How's that? Yay. <laughs> that that'll work. And thank you of course to our very own Eric for hanging out and trek talking with us. Thank you. Oh, and also for making that awesome commercial. I wanted to let you know that um, Edwin messaged me and said they are all sold out of the gold patches. They're gone.
0: What? Wow, Completely there were only fifty gone. of those things, so that was that was quick.
2: Yep, they're gone. So he said thank you.
0: All right. Well, that's fantastic. I was happy to do it. And, uh, you know, every time I come on this show and I get to chat with you guys, it feels like a privilege and a joy. So thank you so much for making it possible.
2: And, of course,
0: last but not least, we have to say thank you to our very
2: own Charles, who's out in Vegas. Thank you so much, Charles.
3: Oh, thank you. Always fun talking, trick. I can't wait for uh, uh, probably Paul's recipe for the Marmalade Dog. Yeah, let's yeah, make like a to... marmalade dog vodka drink.
1: I love it. Yeah, totally. Dog. Oh, that, I think that'll be
5: that'll be fun. That's going to be a show drink.
1: <laughs>
5: Yo, dog. Excellent.
2: The marmalade dog. And of course, I'm your, most, I'm your host, Jim. Thank you so much. And our Star Trek fans are the best fans. Remember that. Be good to each other and stay safe. Frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody, and keep the marmalade right. dog to yourself.
1: <coughs> Good night, Vulcans. <laughs> <Long Friday. laughs> <laughs> Good night, y'all.
2: <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Let's see what's out there.
1: Engage.